0: Welcome to episode 150 of This Week in Marketing Show. This is your host Sajid Islam and today I'm going over the notable news and updates in the digital marketing space from the week of February 27th through March 3rd, 2023. Okay, First off, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a public service app- uh, announcement. It seems like the US government is getting, or the US, yeah, government is a step closer to banning TikTok. Right, right now the U.S. House Foreign Affairs Committee, which is primarily the Republicans, have voted and given President Joe Biden the power to make TikTok uh, or ban TikTok if he feels it is warranted. Right, and you know, obviously, of course, this does not mean that President Biden is going to ban TikTok. Uh, however, there are a lot of concerns about TikTok, uh, siphoning, uh, sending data back to the Chinese government, Chinese government being in cahoots with TikTok and things like that. Um, So, you know, even if the ban, the Senate still has to vote for it, but I have a feeling that if it does come to that, it will get banned. Remember, uh, TikTok was banned in India back in 2020, June 2020, uh, because the Indian government... uh, uh, Along with TikTok, uh, there were 58 other Chinese apps that were banned because they thought it was a uh, security risk, right? Um, so my point for covering this is that if you are relying on TikTok for your uh, website traffic strategy or selling your stuff, please, it's high time to diversify. Uh, you don't want to be caught uh, in the crossfire because if the ban comes say suddenly tomorrow morning, guess what? It's banned, right? What are you going to do? Uh, TikTok obviously responded saying that, you know, it's a shame that, you know, banning TikTok would mean that, that you know, TikTok would not be able to export American culture and values to the billion plus people uh, who uses TikTok. I'm not sure how much of that uh, reasoning will fly because that's a very pretty lame, uh, you know, response from TikTok on the vote from the U.S. House Foreign Affairs Committee, but I'll leave that here and let's jump into the next topic because there's a lot of good things to cover. I may not be able to um, get to the nitty-gritty details of everything. Okay, first off, this week was uh, the Google Search Ads Week 2023. Uh, There were quite a few uh, announcements from Google, but one of them was Google released a 28-page comprehensive guide on Google's uh, how their keyword matching system works for search ads, right? Uh, They give a breakdown of how company... Uh, utilizes machine language, machine learning and, and natural language understanding technologies to determine a keywords el- eligibility, how the responsive search ads creative, uh, creative system selects the best performing creative for users, uh, how you can eliminate the need to have multiple keywords in multiple match types. Advertisers uh, can segment and reduce the available data that smart uh, bidding uses for optimizations things like that it's a it's a big it's a very good resource for anyone seeking to google enhance their google ads campaign now it's 28 page it goes into somewhat uh deep into google ads so if you are not familiar with google ads which you should not be if you are a business owner running google ads and this is why where i come in and say hey you know you need to hire a reputable uh seo or google ads agency search marketing agency who is not just good today or who was not just good yesterday, but is good today as well. And the only way they can be good today as they were good yesterday is someone who is always learning and growing, right? Uh, Because if you're a business owner, you really don't want to spend 28, reading 28 pages, dissecting it and understanding, analyzing it and going back and fixing your Google ads. Because guess what? You have a business to run. Whether you are a plumber, whether you're a roofer or a roofing company, whether you are a pest control company, you have a, a business to run. You don't want to be in the nitty-gritty details, uh, nitty-gritty stuff of fixing Google Ads and enhancing and optimizing Google Ads unless, of course, you want to do that because it's your hobby, it's your passion or you want to take up uh, search marketing as your um, you know, second job. Now, the reason why this show exists is to make you aware so that you can go ask your agencies, hey, did you guys hear about this 28-page guide? What did you guys do? What did you guys think of? And if you have one of those learning, growing uh, search marketing agency, they would be the first one that says, "Hey, this is what we found out. This is the changes we're going to make, and this is what we learned. And we're going to ma- implement these changes. And this is how we are going to position your account so that you get the uh, the best and you know leverage that's out there." Hope that helps. Let's move on to the next update. The other update that Google announced is that Google is changing location targeting settings in March 2023, and we are already in March, so I do not know why Google says, you know, starting March 2023, search interest targeting will no longer be available in Google Ads campaigns, um, Google Ads. Campaigns that use search interest targeting will be migrated to presence or interest targeting. These changes will be consistent in search, display, performance, and shopping campaigns. The presence option lets you show your ads to people who are likely to be located or regularly located in the locations you have targeted. The search interest option lets you show your ads to anyone searching on Google for your targeted location. If a person does not specify a location in their search, then the system uses the location where a user is likely to be located for targeting. This option is only available for search campaigns. So how does this all play out? So after this change is in effect, assuming that you know i live in northern virginia which i i do but i often travel to maryland for shopping or work so i go to maryland five days a week nine in the morning come back at five and then you know on friday night i'm at home and i am searching for plumbers near me or plumbers uh just plumbers in general google is now going to show me ads from plumbers who are in Maryland as well as uh, Virginia depending on or maybe mostly from Maryland. That's what I get gather. Now, am I the only one who thinks that Google is going to be the only real winner of this change? Absolutely. The SEO or not the SEO, the same world which is search engine marketing world or Google ads world is not very happy with this change but, you know, Google decides to do what they want to do. Um, they say there are people who have asked for it. I do not know who could have asked for this because this was one of those Google Ads tricks uh, or tips that you should do uh, right after you start a Google Ads campaign. Search Ads campaign is to turn off, fix, tweak the location settings. So now Google is taking it away and making it a little bit uh, hazy so that you end up showing your ads to people that may matter and may not matter. And if it ma- it doesn't matter, so if, even if I see an ad from a plumber in Maryland, I don't click on this ad. So basically my click through rate drops so if my click through rate drops. Basically, that means I have to bid higher uh, to get my ad uh, shown up. It's just a whole complex ecosystem because there's a the quality score, things like that that comes into play. Well, it is what it is. It's 2023. We gotta play by the cards that have been dealt to us. So we just continue to make the best of what we have. Uh, hope you know you are working with an uh, you are working with an agency that can help you navigate these changes and still keep you profitable. The last update for Google Ads for this week is that Google has, inter- has introduced uh, AI-powered uh, search ads. Uh, what they're saying, it's a new customer acquisition goal for such campaign. This goal utilizes smart bidding and first-party data to optimize campaigns and attract new customers during peak periods. According to Google, by combining the new customer acquisition goal with bidding strategies like maximize conversion value with target return on ad spend, advertisers can prioritize and target high-value customers. A new customer acquisition goal has two modes that help you to reach your campaign goals number one value new customer which means it will bid higher for new customers more than for existing customers and the other option is new customers only it will only bid for new customers so basically google is going to keep track of you know if sajid has is an already an existing customer of brand abc if so uh, you know I may not even see the ad, and if I see the ad, uh, maybe you know, Google will not move a lot of the. Uh, Google will decide, you know, well, you know, he has already a customer, so we don't really need to change the thing, and we'll move the shift the budget to someone who is not a customer and show the ad more to them. I don't know. I haven't tried it out. I do not know whether it's good or bad, but I just want you to know it's there. Maybe I will try it out and we'll publish a video on our channel on how that goes. Okay. with that, let's move into the SEO front. Uh, So this was a week for Popcorn Convention, which is basically a very big convention for um, people in SEO, SEM world. I was not there. However, I followed it on Twitter and read about it enough to be able to bring you some stuff. First off was Microsoft being Microsoft Bing's principal product manager uh, Fabrice Canel gave a talk a keynote presentation. Uh, his one of the key takeaways from his presentation was SEO will never be dead. Right, uh, he just keeps on talking about yeah there will be AI's there will be things like that but SEO will is important will always remain important. Um, and then the second thing he talked about was the importance of last mod tag. Now, folks, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, we have covered last mod tag. Like this is episode 140, 150. So I think in 146, we covered it. right? Last mod tag. And that was in that episode, both Microsoft and Bing came out and they talked about last mod tag Uh that week, and it was covered in 1846. And it seems like this week also, both Microsoft and Bing are talking about last mod tag. It seems like they're somehow talking through back channels and coming out with the same things uh, at the same time, but it's really, really important, right? And according to Canal, 18% of the site ma- maps out there have last mod values not correctly set. So what Canal is saying that you know, of all the search index all the sites that uh, bing has indexed and st- stuff only 18% like 18 out of 100 has the last mod value set correctly that's huge right so if you are not using it or if you're unsure talk to the your marketing team or if you need help let us know let me know now the other thing was canel uh, F- talked about index now again IndexNow was covered in depth in episode one, not one, episode 90, which was in January 10th through 15, 2022. Yes, I looked that up. And 20 million websites have adopted IndexNow. And he expects more websites to adopt uh, IndexNow. IndexNow is a plugin. Uh, it basically helps being from uh, going out to your website and crawl because as soon as you make changes, it... Sends uh, information back to Bing, saying, "Hey, Sajid's website marketandgrow.com has changed; has a new page. Come back when you get a chance and crawl it." Versus Bing not knowing when you have changed, so they may come today and not find change. They may not come again tomorrow. It's just a guessing game. Index now, re- index now, ch- changes that shift and kinda helps Microsoft know, yeah, it's, I need to go to micro- I need to schedule a time to go to Market and Grow because you know what? They've sent me a notification. They've changed the site. I do not know about you, but I like the latter. right And of course, if you're not using WordPress, you're at a disadvantage and you know, you cannot use the index plugin. I don't think it exists for uh, Wix or other platforms other Wibly, maybe unless they have built into it somehow. I'm not aware of that. And lastly, uh, what is saying that you know you should be using big Web, Bing Web webmaster tools? Uh, and if you use that, you'd be able to use traffic data from Bing's AI chat. And you, as a website owner or a content creator, you should focus on writing content, quality content, and use semantic markup to convey information about the pages, which is basically schema.org structured method, structured data. We have covered this on our show. I this is nothing new, folks. If you've been listening to our show for the last 18 months or 24 months. These are all things that are coming again and again. Nothing new is coming up, it's just that same old stuff that makes me wonder why there are so many uh, FUDs, fear unknown, uh, I forgot what the D stands for, is out there on all this SEO stuff. Because SEO at a core is very basic, very easy, uh, similar to uh, a lot of the things in life, right? But people tend to choose uh, all this expensive advanced stuff when they could just do the little things, right? Quality content, do a l- little bit of this, uh, you know, index now, look at the data maps, uh, look at the structured data maps, look at the traffic volume, and do a lot of make a lot of progress. Okay, moving on, next up is Google on last mod tags in sitemap like i said somehow i think google and bing are collaborating through back channels and that they come out with the same thing but because last mod was again covered in episode 146 john miller is saying use last mod uh, only if you're providing something new for search engines that you'd like to be reflected in search if not uh up, if not do not bother to update the date right uh, accordingly uh list Apparently, Google is also seeing a lot of uh, websites are using the last mod tag incorrectly. This is also causing problem uh, for Google as well as you. right? Uh, again, I'm, I'm quoting here from some um, study that being con- uh, conducted and was covered in episode 146 was that 58% of the websites have at least one XML sitemap. 42 of the 42% of the websites out there does not have a sitemap that's a big dif- distinction so of the 58 that has a sitemap 84 of 84% so 84% of those 58% right has no 84% has the last mod attribute set of those 84% 18% has not set the value correctly at all so i no, this is just a, like 50, 84% of the 58%, and then you're looking at 18% of that 84%. Uh, it kind of gets confusing. I sh- in hindsight, I should have like you know taken bro- brought down some examples. Like, okay, you know, of the hundred websites, uh, let's just say hundred websites have one XML sitemap set. Of that hundred, 84%, 84 of them has the sitemap with last mod, and of that 84, 18% have the sitemap uh, last mod value set incorrectly. So I'm looking up uh, my calendar here, see if I can quickly put 18.18 and 84, like almost 15 websites out of the 84 uh, does not have the last mod value set correctly. That's what it comes down to. Okay. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think this is a very uh, low-hanging fruit. This is a low-hanging fruit that you can take care of it, but just talking to your marketing team. Next up, Google's Gary Ellis and John Mueller, and who else was that in the group? Uh, Lizzie Sassman, senior technical writer, were on the Search of the Record podcast, and basically the question came up was, hey, can I make a move of my top-level domain and make some side changes at the same time? The answer is no. Right, where it's playing, I say. Imagine we have marketandgrow.com, and now we want to make it marketandgrow.io, right? And as we are doing these changes, and we are like, you know, hey, while we are moving it, we might as well make a UI changes, refresh the colors, refresh the content structure, things like that. And Gary Ellis says, look, that's a bad idea, right? You will lose a lot of rankings. You're going to go, you know, into a lot of trouble. You wouldn't know what change cause what damage so you make one change at a time slowly over time uh, because you want to be able to like you know kind of uh, do it the right way and if you do it the right way you should not see a drop in traffic Uh, but if you do see a drop in traffic go and see what you did because because you're moving one thing at a time that's what it all comes down to now you would think who would be crazy enough to move marketandgrow.com to marketandgrow.io Well, that was just an example, right? You could be like, you know, combining two websites. Say we have a a French website and a Chinese website. And we said, you know what? Everything should live under marketandgrow.com in subdirectory. So that's one example. Maybe we got bought out and we want to be under the new company's uh, brand name. So that's another reason. Uh, I mean, there are ways around it. We could do a redirect, uh, 301, 302 redirect, depending on the situation. But what it comes down to is it's like, just do one change at a time that's all there is along the same lines you know gary ellis says google does not care who authors or links to your doc uh, content this was during a QA session at PopCon. he was also there along with microsoft's uh, kennel and basically says look you can bring whoever you want to bring and write your content, but if your content is not of good quality, we don't care. We are not gonna, you know, rank it. Simple as that. Uh, and also, we don't care whether you are linking to some other good content or some other good content is linking to you. We want to. It doesn't matter that much. I, I don't think I should say I don't. We don't care. He's saying we don't give that much credence, that much value. We just care about that it's a good quality content. And don't go gaga over disavowing links because, again, that's just a waste of time. Disavowing links has been covered in the past on our show. Like I said earlier, if you've been listening to our show for the last 18 months or so, you kind of know some of these things because it has been covered, but it just keeps coming back up, which is why I am keep repeating myself. Along the same lines, page rank sculpting is a myth. That's what, uh, let me see who was saying Um, John Miller is saying basically what is page rank you know how people are linking from their content to external content or external content is linking to their website and they are thinking these are backlinks these are helpful page rank uh, internal page rank sculpting is basically taking um, you know your page rank which is on your one page and then giving it to the sub pages because Every website is assigned a unique value called page rank. Uh, it has been an important factor in the link building and link exchange. Page rank sculpting is a technique in which an attempt is made to distribute the page rank of a website to other sub-pages in the, of that website. So assuming that the homepage receives the highest page rank because it's the most important within the site's hierarchy, then the page rank will decrease as you go further into the structure. So, And this was a big thing before 20, 2009, uh, for example you know the functions pages such as uh, contact page will link internally with the attribute nofollow because that, you know if you use the nofollow then you would say like you know I have some page rank juice that I don't want to give it to the contact page but I want to send it to my services page or so forth but that kind of went away after 2009 and you know some Google experts are out there saying you know what oh we can do uh, page rank sculpting things like that and John Miller is saying look it's this it's been out there since it's been banished since 2009 and this is 2023 so how many years are we talking about like almost 14 2010 yeah almost 14 years uh yeah 10 10 20, 20 13 14 Yeah, almost 14 years and it's still going around saying you know page rank sculpting is a thing but it's not uh, and you know, and f- spending time on page rank, uh, sculpting is a waste of time. John said that back in 2019. There is a tweet to that. I've linked it in the show notes page. And in another news, I just want to share with you that you should always check your domain reputation before you buy a domain. Uh, you know, you could end up buying a domain that used to be previously associated with a spammer, a bad actor, and it's in domain legacy penalty. And this is something, you know, I didn't think of uh, before I read this thing. Uh, and apparently it's a big thing. So, uh, and it's the way to check it is you can go to archive.org, put in the domain name to see, you know, if that domain ever uh, was associated with spam or any kind of bad behavior. If so, you want to steer clear of that domain. Like, for example, a few years ago, we I bought the domain marketandgrow.com and I got lucky. But imagine if marketandgrow.com got hacked or whatever, it was owned by a bad actor and it has a spam, porn, whatever, and it's... Uh, it's, in the, you know, it's been penalized by Google, and unknowingly, if I do that, uh, then guess what? Uh, I would be trying months and years before I would find out that, you know, hey, I, why is it I cannot rank? And this was exactly a question someone asked to John Mueller. Now, if you think this doesn't happen to other companies, it just happens to us, you're wrong, because it happened to ZDNet, uh, because they used to own this uh, domain called cxo talkcom so when cxo CXOTalk.com was available, they bought it without realizing that that was a banned domain. Uh, they, as soon as they migrated from CXO-talk.com to CXOTalk.com, they lost two years worth of work uh, and it was hell. In fact, to the point where they wrote an article about it, I've linked to that article if you really have in the show notes, if you really want to read about that article, but I hope you don't have to go to that level to that extent because... Uh, You now know, Uh, but I left it there because if you really want to go deep and you're like, you know, I want to read what happened, how do I you know, avoid it in the future? Well, what you do is if you before you purchase a domain at an auction or you pick up a domain uh, and you just want to check if it has history of backlink tools, if it has a bad history uh, using Google Webmaster tools uh, or you want to check the archive.org. Right. I hope this helps. And the last update for this week is should you rewrite your content with chat GPT? That was a question that was asked to John Mueller and it basically comes down to one thing. I mean, John was being a little bit, uh, I think, um, irritated during the Twitter chat back and forth. But basically a user was asking, hey, can I take my existing content and rewrite it using chat GPT or any of the AI tool? Will it reduce its quality? Will it re- Will I re- reduce, will I get dinged by somehow or the other? So John was asked, why would you want to do that? Is it a bad co- content? To that, some other user responded like, no, may say let's say English is not my language. I write something in my mother tongue and translate it to English using my limited vocabulary and ask the AI to enhance the vocabulary. My content is not bad, but my limited knowledge of a language such as English, uh, uh, is Okay, my content is not bad, but limited by my knowledge of a language, not the topic I'm trying to cover. Right? That's what uh, Pablo, Apollo responded to. And John, John says, uh, John responded by saying, Why do you want to just publish something for the sake of publishing something rather than publishing something you know to be useful and good? And this doesn't affect whether it's language models or artificial intelligence or natural language processing, things like that. Uh, You need to write content that you you are good at right? and what your site to be known for. So what John is essentially essentially saying is that if your content is bad, why are you writing it in the first place? If English is weak, why are you writing your content in the first place? Because if your content is bad and English is not good, how will you know that ChatGPT has done a good job? Which is actually a very good point, right? Uh, And how would you know what ChatGPT is putting out there is helpful and quality if if you do not know what quality is? Right, that's where it's coming down to. If you yourself do not know what quality is and you're using this artificial tool to write, then you really do not know. Now, yes, I use Grammarly, right? And I will use Grammarly to fix grammar and so that it makes sense and half the time, you know, Grammarly will suggest something that that changes, alters the meaning of the sentence and I will say skip. Other times it will say, hey, you know what, this line is overly complex and you can reword it and make it so simple. These things, these words are redundant and it streamlines it. But this stems from me knowing English good enough to be able to say, you know what, Yeah, you know what, I overused, I'm using redundant words, and this does not make any sense, I'm gonna skip over it. Now, putting myself in that shoe, if I didn't know English well enough, grammar well enough, guess what, I would just say, except, 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 you know, because I think Grammarly is making, giving me the right suggestions, and if I do that, I'm gonna get into trouble, because I'm gonna end up saying some things that I do not understand, even though all the words are right there, and trust me, this has happened, not just with me. Last year, I had uh, interns who were writing content, and, you know, they had Grammarly and, you know, they were in their sophomores. Uh, one actually graduated and she was going to master's school in the fall and she, she was a content writer and she was telling me, look, yeah, Grammarly, I use it just to kind of make sure that my grammars are right, my I's are dotted, T's are lost, but I don't blindly follow Grammarly's advice just because, you know, sometimes it changes the meaning of the whole sentence. And I'm not making this up, folks. I'm saying it from my own uh, uh, own. Experience as well as the two content writers that I had in my team, uh, you can actually go to our blog section and check some of the content they've written. They've written some really good content. Um, but what it comes down to is do not rely on these AI tools blindly. Uh, you should write content uh, about topics uh, that you are really well aware of and you can understand that, you know, whether it's a good content or not. With that, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. Now you know everything to be in the know. Until next week, your host Sajid Islam signing off. Bye-bye.